Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian. I'm on the phone with Ashvin. And today we are discussing Pearl from 2022, directed by Ty West, written by Ty West and Mia Goth, starring Mia Goth, David Cornsweet, Tandy Wright, and Emma Jenkins Perot. In this film, we learn the story of the killer from Ty West slasher X, which came out only about six months ago, and here we are already getting a prequel due to a gutsy move by A24. If you're new to the show, we're going to talk about this spoiler-free for the first 15 or 20 minutes. After that, we're going to play some transition music and go into spoiler mode where we will spell out the plot beat by beat and review the film. So if you haven't seen this, by the time you get to that transition music, it's time to duck out and go see this in the theater. Uh, If you're wondering where the Barbarian episode is, speaking of the theater... It already came out. It's a Patreon exclusive. So if you'd like to hear it, you can go to horrormovieclub.com and click on the big orange button that says Patreon and become a subscriber for a dollar a month. Speaking of Patreon, we'd like to thank our new patrons, Robert, Anna, Jake, and Jeff. Thank you all for supporting the show. Appreciate you. I was so excited for this, Ashwin, I couldn't contain my excitement about it. I know. I feel like you've been talking about this one for months. Uh, Pretty hyped up. Yeah, I I normally try not to get hyped up in my mind for these movies, but I kind of let myself this time. Hey, is it because you generally don't watch trailers, but you had to see the trailer of this one because it was tucked into X? Oh, fuck you. (laughs) I know what you're trying to get at. Yeah, I know. Did you feel like it embellished your experience going into it? (laughs) No, I always refuse to see the trailers. I forgot everything I saw in that trailer. Oh, But I think it's just that I know so much about the world. I saw the movie. I mean, the first movie was almost like a trailer. Not really. But to learn that you're going to get a sequel to it right after, or a prequel, rather, right after you get out of that movie and you previously had not known, that was a cool experience. I couldn't help but be excited. It was a cool move. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. And this is like A24's first time doing... A franchise, I think, right? I think it might be, yeah. And it's going to be a trilogy. Yeah, that's crazy. Did you stick around till the end of this one? Yeah, I don't know if we're spoiling that for other people, but there is a there is a little uh, stinger that's just a quick teaser for Maxine, which is the third film in the franchise. Yeah, so like, he, yeah, he got a three film deal with this with the A twenty four. Yeah, pretty wild. unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, and I think so. They began writing the script during the production of X, and I think he was kind of surprised when A24 greenlit his idea for the franchise. I think part of it, maybe a little bit of why this is attractive for A24, I didn't read this, I'm just guessing. They were on location in New Zealand, mm-hmm. which was you know, the only safe place in the peak of the pandemic. I feel like most of us are feeling a little less paranoid about the pandemic these days, but back when this was filmed, it was a bit more of a intense time and so i feel like if a24 is like okay we already got all these people together they've already done their quarantine there's no covid on set they're still there in like the safest country in the world yeah let's just keep them there we already spent the money (laughs) and they can just (laughs) go with it and then go roll right into the next (laughs) movie it's like the overhead costs is already they don't have to worry about any additional overhead. Yeah, we already got you there. We got the full crew there. You even had people yeah. uh, who weren't, like the mother in this movie was part of X, but she wasn't an actress, right? She was like the intimacy coordinator in X. And so, and so I feel like they, they had people on, on, on set there in New Zealand that they just kind of pulled in to cast in this film. I'm so glad you said that because I was just listening to an interview on the Boo Crew podcast with Brittany Snow and Mia Goth about X from months ago. Yeah. And they talked about their intimacy coordinator, Tandy Wright. And I was like, Tandy Wright, that name sounds familiar. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, is that the woman who played Ruth Pearl's mother? And yeah, right. okay, you just confirmed that for me. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. It is like kind of just taking benefit of everyone being in one place at one time in a world where it's not that easy to be traveling around. So, uh, and X was also shot then in New Zealand, huh? Yeah. All on the same farm in New Zealand. So yeah, shot in New Zealand, uh, similar as X. And oh yeah, do you think Maxine has also been already shot or like it's going to be in New Zealand or do you feel like they're going to switch locations up for that? 
they'll I think they'll switch locations up for that. I don't think filming has started on that yet. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And it kind of crazy yeah. to see Mia Gatha as like a co-writer on this one. I know. I think they started fleshing out the story for Pearl's character, and I don't know if it was just part of the exercise for X, and then they were like, hey, wait a minute, we can make a movie off this, or if that was the intention from the get-go. I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah, pretty cool. She uh, She's really come up uh, like in the last few years. I guess, yeah, this year she's had these two films, uh, across which she's played like three different, well, I guess two different characters, but over different time periods. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's almost like three different characters, really. Yeah, yeah, right. Have you? Pretty do you know wild. her from other stuff? I mean, I she was in Emma, which I saw, and High Life, which I saw, um, but I don't recognize her really. Yeah, I, but she's been in a lot and a lot of like artsier films and some popular films. She was also in a a movie that was kind of horror adjacent that we watched um, together on our little anniversary getaway. Oh, which one? Was it? I think it was called House. It was the, like a the, bunch of vignettes, like a oh, the anthology one? film that was animated. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. She was in that. She as one of the voices. She did a voice in that. Yeah. Oh, that was a crazy movie. It's kind of yeah. wild. Um, did you see who she's had a kid with recently? No. Shia LaBeouf and her. Uh, I think they were married a while ago. Then they might have separated or something. But the, earlier this year, she gave birth to uh, their first kid. Oh my, I did not know that. I know. I feel like Shia LaBeouf's name has been coming up a lot more uh, in her episodes these days. Is it LaBeouf or LaBeouf? Oh man, you know who would know? <laughs> Shia LaBeouf? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you would know. No, I uh, remember, uh, remember once you and I were talking to, um, oh man, the other podcasters, uh, Whitney and Lauren, and they were singing that song. Or there was like a short YouTube clip about it. Uh you remember this? I don't remember this. I don't think either of us had seen it, but there's like a, a clip and it's like, I don't know. He like turns into a werewolf or something. I don't know. Whitney would have to remind us. Uh, there's some like long elaborate joke behind it. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. He's a, a troublesome, a troubled guy. It's a, yeah. never know quite how to feel when I hear news about him. Same. Yeah. That kind of uh, made me a little weary of me. I got after I saw that, but otherwise I feel like she's amazing. Leary of Magoth. Leary. Not weary. People always I'm gonna I'm gonna get up on my soapbox right now. <laughs> <Here we go. laughs> I did this in the Discord server the other day. People oh, yeah. always take the terms weary and wary and combine them in <laughs> they use the term weary instead of the term wary or leery. Are you so saying- wary and leery kind of mean the same thing, but if you Merge those two words and say weary, that just means tired. Oh, no way. So weary is a word, but it just means tired? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Wow. That's fascinating. <laughs> this this on some TV show you watched or something? <laughs> no, it's just just English. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> That's good to know. All right. Sorry, everybody. No, for um, sure. <laughs> this is well-reviewed. It's got an 87% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, 81% from users. Uh, as right. of Sunday night was when I checked. The Sunday night of its opening weekend, it had $3.1 million at the box office. I saw the budget estimated somewhere at $1 million, but it felt like that was kind of a wild guess to me. I have mm. to believe, since they had already had so much of their cost out of the way from the X production, that it was a fairly cheap movie. Huh, Interesting. You going on like an incremental cost basis? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> your variable costs are. <laughs> it's an interesting business model. Yeah, yeah, that's really funny. Um, but but like uh, I, I think uh, X had a similar cost of around a million. So you think, you think there's just some overlap there between the cost for X and this film? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but yeah, I mean, if you if if both movies cost about two million and their combined box offices, whatever, I don't know what X's was. I mean. I think X There's no like, way this franchise isn't prop- profitable. Well, I was wondering because X, I think, came at, out at like 14 at the end of the day, like uh, from a box office perspective. And this one, as you mentioned, after the first weekend is at three. What do you, what do you think? Like, do you think this is going to surpass or even reach X? I'm, I'm kind of, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, 
I'm leery. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I was like, come on, come on. He's yeah, going to do it. He can do it. It's like seeing my baby walk for the first time. Take the, yeah, exactly. Putting that vocab to practice. Uh, what do you, what do you think? Like, is it, is it going to hit the amount X did? I don't know, man. I'm surprised it opened as strong as it did. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it'll get where X is, but mm. just because of the type of movie it is. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I kind of agree. Um, yeah, I, I feel like maybe there's more hype. Uh, what What do you think had a bigger promotion around or like hype up before it? Like X? I think X people are really excited about it. I don't know if I heard too much about Pearl before its release, but what, what about you? It seemed like X had a bigger promotion budget and Pearl was trying to bank on people who saw X coming out to see Pearl. Yeah. Which yeah. seems smart. So, yep. Yeah, that was the impression I got. But again, as someone who tends to avoid trailers, I don't feel like I really have my ear to the ground on that on the promotion end of things. Sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm interested to see like if the based on how Pearl does, if that has any impact on Maxine. But it sounds like Maxine's greenlit and already a go. Yeah, Maxine's already greenlit. Yeah, and that's okay. going to take place in 1985, and cool. we'll center around Mia Goth's character Maxine from the film X. Nice, nice. That's so awesome. cool, too, to just the pattern of this trilogy being like, yeah. here's the movie in the middle, here's the backstory of one of the older characters, and here's the future of one of the younger yeah. characters. Like, yeah. that's just neat. Yeah, I know. It's really interesting to anchor around, uh, yeah, those characters. It's it's interesting because it's not really anchoring around a specific character, more just like an actress in the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's Very crazy. interesting. Yeah. And a little bit of a theme, like past and present and future and your hopes for the future and yeah. how your present didn't turn out like you hoped it would in the past. It's right. really interesting. And and that was like pretty clear in X, right? That like Maxine and Pearl were kind of like the similar character, like tied together through different time periods. Yeah, I think so. I think it was made pretty clear. Okay. Cool. Without being totally spelled out. Yeah, right, right. Uh, the music is again done by Tyler Bates, uh, but again, but this time he's working with Tim Williams instead of Chelsea Wolfe, who worked with him on X. Uh, other notable crew that's a carryover from X is Elliot Rocket, the DP, who worked with Ty West on X, House of the Devil, Innkeepers, and Cabin Fever 2. Really a cool cinematographer. Some of the stuff he did on House of the Devil especially, and X, just really fun to watch this guy work yeah i feel like so much of his work is like what you associate with ty west and like the visuals you see in his films and yeah nice way to keep the consistency between these two films as well yeah they're a great team uh on that guy tyler um the the musician here he was the lead guitarist for marilyn manson right yeah i forgot about that that's kind of wild um yeah it's cool to see those musicians who I feel like they're, they kind of take a back seat sometimes in certain roles. Like they're just hard working, going about their business, making the music great in the background behind the scenes. I know nothing about Marilyn Manson as a live show. Maybe his guitarist is, maybe okay. Tyler Bates has more of a personality, but it seems yeah. like you'd fall into Marilyn Manson's weird ass shadow. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a weird place to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so cool to see him making making some quality work here and yeah. getting i think a, a little bit more recognition i've heard his name mentioned a couple of times in discussions on the movie yeah it seems like he's done a number of films but yeah i agree yeah so, he has yeah cool yeah yeah this is nothing new for him it's just he's new new to you and me right right uh i think that's about all i have for background info on here is there anything else you want to share before we hit the ohio connection no i think i'm pretty weary on the background information can move on. <laughs> you're you're weary of the background information. Yeah. <laughs> we can we can go to the next topic. Okay. Uh, all right. Our friend Alex connects every movie to our home state of Ohio for us. He owns the jukebox bar and restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. If you're in Northeast Ohio, you gotta go there. Check out their food and delicious drinks. And Alex says. Pearl is a slasher film co-written by director Ty West and lead actor Mia Goth, who reprises her role as the titular character. It is a prequel to X and serves as an origin story for the villain. 
Small spoiler alert, but at one point in the film, Pearl stabs someone to death with a pitchfork before pushing them into a pond where an alligator she has nicknamed Theta eats their remains. Understanding that this and the previous film have subplots focused on sex and pornography, the nickname Theta is likely an homage to Theta Bara, an American silent film and stage actress of the 1920s and 30s, considered by many to be one of cinema's earliest sex symbols. Her femme fatale roles earned her the nickname The Vamp, a term used to describe a seductive woman, which later fueled a rise in vamp roles rooted in exoticism and sexual domination. Theta Barra was born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio. Wow, that's fascinating. Good. That's one of my favorite Ohio connections ever. Yeah, wow. Uh, I would not have known that about the alligator. Yeah, I wouldn't have either. Do you think they purposely named it after the, the after that Theta? I would guess so, yeah. Okay. It wow. seems like Ty West is being pretty deliberate about what he puts in these movies. Sure. Wow. Great, great call, Alex. That's, that's a good one. Did you know yeah. uh, Theta? Like, have you, have you heard of that actress before? No, I haven't. Me neither. But I did recently watch some real old-fashioned porn, which I'll get to in a little while. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's what we're all here for. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I think it's that time. It's time to walk through the plot and spoil everything and review the movie. But uh, before we do, bud, do you mind holding on one second? The crows have really been uh, eating from our garden this year, and I forgot I promised my wife I'd erect a scarecrow tonight. Oh, okay, sure. All right, I'm going to go do that. I'll be right back. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Hey, sorry, man. I was getting that scarecrow up, and uh, one thing led to another. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. I'm a little bit late. <laughs> How's the scarecrow doing? Is he, is he up? <laughs> <laughs> He's erected. He's been erected. <laughs> good, good. That's how all, all scarecrows should be. Right. That's what makes them truly frightening of the crows. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Stay away from that guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this film opens with a shot from inside the barn looking out, just like X did. X used that shot to allude to the plot and aesthetic of the movie by using the barn doors to create a 4-3 ratio that alluded to the pornography that would be shot in that ratio throughout the film. And I think Pearl used it to open from the dark barn into a world of vibrant color on the farm, kind of as an homage to The Wizard of Oz and the Golden Age of Hollywood, Mm -hmm. uh, whose stylings are very present in this film. Sure. We meet Pearl and learn that she very much wants to get off this farm. We learn this partially through her dialogue with the farm animals, just like Dorothy has some of her most important dialogue with Toto in Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah, good point. And we quickly learn that Pearl may be a little different when she spears a goose with a pitchfork and feeds it to the alligator that lives in their pond. Part of the reason Pearl is having such a hard time on the farm is that her mother is very strict and makes her take care of her paralyzed father and the farm, and does not seem to allow Pearl to have any fun or free time. However, on one of Pearl's trips to town to get some medicine for her dad, she sneaks into the movies to see a picture. While she's there, she meets the projectionist, who tells her to come knock on his door at any time. She expresses her desire to him to be a dancer, just like the chorus girls in the movie she just saw. He cuts out a frame of the film for her and gives it to her as a gift. On her way home, the frame blows out of her pocket while she's riding her bicycle, She goes to find it and stumbles across a scarecrow and gets lost in a fantasy that the scarecrow is the projectionist. She dances around with him and eventually straddles him and masturbates with the scarecrow. (laughs) That was a wild scene. That was pretty wild. Yeah. It's a charming and sad and funny journey through Pearl's past. It really is. Certain parts of the movie. Yeah, there's so many, like, crazy elements. There's, like, her disturbing behavior, but then this, like, really bright cinematography and setting, and this, like, really, like, uh, uplifting orchestral music going on, and then, like, really fucked up things, like, humping a scarecrow. So, yeah, it's a, it's a strange mix of uh, things happening here. Yes. And very hopeful and youthful and exuberant at the same time. Yeah. And are you, like, you felt, like, pretty rooted in her as, like, the hero here? Like, are you... Like, uh, are you scared of her, or are you like, go Pearl? 
I'm kind of GoPro. How about you? Yeah, get that scarecrow. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're sympathizing out there because of the situation she's in, uh, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. She's definitely made to be a sympathetic character. Yeah. Two other things, part of the setting, which I found really interesting. Uh, they're German, and this is during World War One. Um, so I, I think that's an interesting dynamic because uh, I think there is that f- they've been like isolated. Uh, partly because that the other thing that they're isolated about is the Spanish flu, which is going on at the same time, which I thought, how cool is that? So kind of like mirror, like the current pandemic uh, with like the 1918 flu and people wearing masks and like just, yeah, a lot of commentary that mirrors what we're going through today. Yeah, I could. That's interesting that you say that because I couldn't decide if that was a, oh, how cool moment or a, oh, that's a bit on the nose moment. Oh, do you think people actually wore masks back then? I meant to research that and forgot. I feel like I've seen photos and yeah, people like covered their face or like wore masks back then too. Like, I don't know if they had the N95s and stuff, um, but uh, I, I think definitely seen a photo or two of people wearing a mask back then. Sure. I'm sure they didn't have N95s. I feel like that's a pretty recent thing. Yeah, at least uh, since 1995. Uh, I think that's what they named after. <laughs> that's uh, what did they're named after that yeah, year. Exactly. <laughs> I'm picturing just a dude on Coke being like, best year ever. <laughs> yeah. Just invented a dope ass mask. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this will be, go down in history as the best year for a medical mask. <laughs> Uh, yeah, oh, but I, no, I I thought like that that felt like uh you know this is a 1918 film, but like there's so much you can relate to in like our current environment, and and I thought like them being German was almost like how um you know I I feel like there's been like a lot of ancient uh, anti Asian sentiment uh in the last like few years right with the pandemic, and so I almost wondered if he was mirroring that, but for the Germans uh, in the early you know 1920s with World War One going on. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. Cool dynamic. A lot, to, a lot to think about in both of these movies, which are so surface level in so many ways. But yeah, there's a lot to unpack once you start scratching, scratching at things. I know, I know. Um, so one night, Pearl sneaks out of her room to see the projectionist. She and he shows her a pornographic film. Uh, she unloads them about her problems and makes an ominous comment about how her life would be easier if her parents would just die. And God damn it, I forgot to, to note what this was called. I, and I remember why, because I got distracted. This was an actual pornography film that he showed to her. It's like the longest, the, on, the oldest known surviving pornographic film, if I understand mm-hmm. correctly. Yeah. And if, if you go to the Wikipedia page about it, it just has the film right there for you to watch. It's like <laughs> eight or nine minutes, and it's like just a legit pornography film wow. on a Wikipedia page. Is it so like, like the, oh my God. Is it like the free ride or something? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's called a free ride. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that's funny. It's just there on Wikipedia. <laughs> it's from 1915, yeah, yeah, and it's just... You know, it's got the stuff that porn has in it. It's... <laughs> yeah, that's a cool theme that they pulled through from the movie X, uh, like this idea of like old old porn and stuff. And he even like talks about like this becoming the future of a video, which is very similar to X. Right. Yeah. And they don't say so in X, but I think we talked about in our episode how X took place around the time that Debbie Does Dallas had just like exploded onto the scene and basically paved the way for pornographic home video right right um but the next day a ray of hope comes into pearl's life when her sister-in-law mitzi drops by and lets her know there are auditions being held locally for a traveling dance troupe mitzi and pearl are both planning to audition and pearl sees this as her path out of this life on the farm uh mitzi comes with pearl's mother-in-law as well who's brought a cooked pig as a gift but pearl's mother ruth refuses the gift she sees it as charity and throughout the movie, from this point forward, we periodically see this cooked pig just sitting on their front porch and rotting. Things eventually come to a head with Pearl's parents when over dinner one evening, Pearl's mom reveals that she's found the playbill from the movie that Pearl went to see. She chastises her for using the family's money for something so petty, and they get into a screaming fight. Pearl's mother slaps her across the face. Pearl slaps her back, and a physical altercation ensues, during which Pearl's mother's clothes accidentally catch fire because she's gotten too close to the hearth in the scramble. By the time Pearl can extinguish the flames, her mother has already endured serious burns all over her body, and perhaps in a panic or perhaps just in a flurry of repressed emotions, 
Pearl locks her burned mother in the basement. She leaves her paralyzed father sitting at the kitchen table and rushes out into the night to visit the projectionist one more time, and they make sweet, passionate love. Man, that scene where they're fighting in the kitchen or at the dinner table, that was a really intense uh, argument, wasn't it? Like, kind of pretty suspenseful. Yeah, it was pretty heated, and Pearl's mom was scary. Yeah. Yeah. Tandy Wright. I mean, I should have looked more into her. I know she had some acting experience as well, but it's so interesting that she was the intimacy coordinator and then yeah. played such a crucial role in this film as an actress. I know, and I think she learned German like just for this film, but yeah, yeah you couldn't tell like watching this at all. And yeah, the, both of their performances in this scene uh, were so intense, and yeah, you're pretty scared by it. And it's kind of crazy how quick Pearl is to like immediately lock her burnt mother who's still like alive in the basement. It, I don't know. It gave me a sense that like this was like pre-mediated somehow, but uh, I mean, obviously it wasn't right. Like it was an accident. Yeah. Yeah. Premeditated. I, I don't think mediated. it was premeditated, but uh, <laughs> you, no, you mean mediated. Yeah. Uh, I think that it was an accident, but once it happened, it was a little bit like, I'm rolling with this. in a way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think she had fantasized about it for sure. Okay. So just like when it happens, she just kind of knows, kicks into gear, knows what to do. Yeah. Right. Like I'm not, and maybe in a bit of a panic too. And I don't know. It's hard mm. to know what was going through her head. Yeah. I like that we don't know. I know. Yeah. I like kinda, that it happened this way. Yeah. It kind of takes you by a little bit by surprise. Like, yeah, you're right. You don't know really what's going through her head. Yeah. Well, the morning after, she slept with the projectionist, and uh, he insists on driving her home. He becomes a bit perturbed by some of her odd behavior inside her home. The rotting cook pig on the front porch probably doesn't help. He hears her mother struggling in the basement, and Pearl writes this off as the dog, but later she's caught in a lie when she tells him they don't have a dog. So the projectionist is getting a bit leery, and he makes an excuse and tries to leave. Pearl presses him on why he's suddenly gone cold, and when pressed, he admits that she's scaring him. He tries to drive home, but Pearl approaches the driver's seat and impales him with a pitchfork. She then disposes of the car with the projectionist in it by submerging the car in the pond, where Theta the alligator eats the remains of the projectionist. What did you think of this? This was like the first intentional kill. Uh, yeah, this this was, I mean, like, the way she uh, flips in the barn when she realizes that, like, he's pulling away a little bit emotionally... Uh, that's like crazy. It's like, it's like a 180. Like she's been like really hopeful and like really in love and you can see like just the, her whole world kind of just shatter and she becomes like this whole other person, which is like frightening to see. And yeah, I mean him to turn his back on someone who just like did a 180 and might have like a pitchfork close to them is kind of crazy. But I, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's something you're not looking out for when you're, you're, uh, breaking up with someone to see what sharp objects might be around. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, cra- crazy kill. I was, I was into it. And uh, the gore was great and lo- loved like, how she went to like town on him. I think it was a really cool way to show her unraveling. Like, it was not necessarily gradual, but it was like hinted at. The initial thing was a mistake, and then she follows it up with locking the mother in the basement. Like, yeah. that's not a mistake, but kind of in the heat of passion. And then now it's just like, okay, she's snapped. But yeah. It wasn't like it came out of nowhere. It wasn't zero to 60. It, it was just really well done. Yeah. And as the audience, you feel like now you're like your fear of her is like starting to build up potentially. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And I mean, we all knew it was going to happen, right? We've seen X. We know she becomes a killer. So it was just kind of a, a yeah. question of how. Sure. And I kind of like that it started with an accident with someone close to her. And then this guy's like kind of a bit. Not that he's not important to her, but he's kind of a bit of a throwaway. So he was sure. a good first, like, pure murder. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I, I would say his relationship with her kind of uh, positioned her to, to feel okay about killing uh, her mother, right? Or, like, doing what she did to her mother and um, ultimately someone else later. Because he, he instilled, like, some kind of hope in her, maybe? Yeah, he, like, encouraged her to follow her dreams and, like... Yeah. Don't just stay where you are. And like, if you feel you got to get out of here, get out of here. Don't let anyone stand in your way. So <laughs> right. Yeah. I think he kind of empowered her. So yeah, he was kind of a throwaway character, but I think he, he kind of like ignite, uh, or yeah, lit the fire in her. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't mean to call him a throwaway character. He is important to the movie, but it's not like he's someone close to her. Mm -hmm. He kind of becomes so, but it's not like she starts right away killing her own parents. She starts with, you know, somebody who's also a admitted bohemian. So it's just interesting to think about it in terms of an actual serial killer. Like, sure. this is someone who doesn't maybe have family or friends who know exactly where he is, and he could just be gotten rid of. Oh, yeah. Um, Without much It's interesting to think about it through that lens for me. Yeah, sure. Uh, Pearl then dresses herself in one of her mother's most beautiful gowns in preparation for the dance troupe auditions, which is today. Uh, she bathes and dresses up her father as well and then smothers him with a pillow to death. She sets off for the audition and sits next to a nervous sister-in-law, Mitzi, in line. Pearl puts on what she feels is an incredible performance. We see it, how it looks through the lens of her mind. She's got backup dancers. She's got a big smile. It's She's nailing it. And then back to reality, she is crushed, crushed to hear the judges tell her she's not what they're looking for. They want something a little bit more all-American and preferably blonde. And they say she doesn't have the X Factor. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Not only is that X Factor a callback to X, but I don't know if you remember in X, she tells Howard she doesn't care for blondes. Oh, wow. No, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that's part of why she wants to, like, presumably capture uh, Jenna Ortega's character and it isn't killing Oh. Um, Mia Goss character Maxine yeah Um, so yeah this might be the origin story of why she hates blondes so much (laughs) yeah that makes sense Uh, I think there's a lot of things like that that could be picked up upon especially after a second watch of little tiebacks that maybe aren't easy to catch the first time through I bet yeah I'd love to go back and watch X after watching this see all the easter eggs I might have missed same So after the audition, Pearl is sobbing. She's weeping and moaning in utter despair. Later on back on the farm, Mitzi drops by to comfort her. And Pearl has come to terms a bit with the rejection at this point, but she opens up to Mitzi about pretty much everything. She starts off with how she's always felt a little different. This later expands into how she's cheated on Howard, how she used to kill animals, and eventually how she's killed her parents. And the entire time she's giving this extended speech... (laughs) I kept expecting the film to cut back to Mitzi. Yeah, to see her reaction. For her reaction. Yeah. But it just kind of makes a bold, gutsy, painfully awkward choice in just hanging with Pearl as she goes through this entire diatribe. Which is like what? Like five minutes? Seven minutes? I want to say it's like a full five minutes, which doesn't sound like long, but in in movie time, like in between cuts, that's a long time. It is, yeah. Maybe it's not fully five, but it, it's long. It's, it's longer than one would expect. Yeah. It's probably one of the longer shots of the the film, I would sure. guess. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And just her, like, sitting at a table talking and yeah. uh, explaining everything. Which, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a great expose, and this is, like, a, char- a movie all about a character. But uh, I don't know. Did, did you feel like we needed this whole speech? Or did it work for you? It did work for me, actually. There's a couple things that were just kind of like gutsy choices that I think could have gone either way for people. And it did work for me. It wasn't like, yes, perfect choice. But it was like, yeah, okay, I, I'm here. I'm okay. I'm yeah. good with that. Okay. Uh, you kind of wish it would have cut back to Mitzi? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think she needed to give that whole speech at all. I mean, uh, I, I thought the, like we had seen a lot of like what was happening and what she was describing and like, what she's done it was, it was a cool kind of like a introspect about maybe how she like recognizes like the danger that like her mother saw in her or like that she's like a messed up person but i don't know if we actually needed i i don't know i, I guess at the end of the day this is a movie about like someone recognizing who they are and the scene kind of gives you her coming to terms with it and like being honest with herself but i also I don't, i'm not sure if you needed it i also feel like this is a movie that's kind of about repression and mm. so was X a little bit. We talked about how Maxine grew up in a religious household. Repression may have been involved there. Yeah. And Pearl kind of had a form of repression put on her by the fact that her cousin, her husband, <laughs> cousin, her husband couldn't have sex with her due to his heart. Oh, um, yeah. And she was just feeling like sexually repressed. Yeah. And I think this comes back to that theme that 
Pearl is a repressed person. She feels like she can't tell anybody her world, her reality. And Mitzi really, like, sits and it's like, please, like, you can tell me. Like, you can tell me anything. Like, right. we have a special relationship. We're sister-in-laws. Like, right. they've bonded a little bit throughout the movie. So she's trying to be there for Pearl. And Pearl takes takes her up on it. I mean, I think it's kind of a powerful moment because she's like, oh, finally somebody I can talk to. Sure, it's open up to you. Yeah. And I think she's maybe so far gone and so removed from reality that she feels like maybe I can say these things and it will be okay. Yeah. Right. I don't know. It's hard to know. And then maybe she realizes, she either realizes, (laughs) you know, I shouldn't have said those things. (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) Or she just loses her temper. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to tell which one. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Her sanity, I think, is in question a lot here. Um, And yeah, I mean, like the thing she's admitting here, like listening to her say that. And yeah, I think as if you're like, oh my God, like this person listening to it isn't going to get away from this. Like yeah. you, you've heard too much now. Well, I love that we know more about Pearl's backstory. We understand what makes her tick, but at the same time, we still don't quite know. There are still things where you're like, I wonder really what was going on in her mind there. Like, why did she make that choice? Uh, well, you know, when, when she says that whole, you know, five, four or five minute speech, did we learn anything new or, uh, I mean like we knew all that stuff, right? Like that she had slept with someone else, that she kills animals, uh, that she's kind of like a fucked up person. Like, I I think, did you learn something in that? I think we learned that she understands to an extent that she's different and, and realizes she shouldn't be this way, Mm. but I don't know if it was really about understanding more about her in this specific scene. It was more about uh, empathizing with her and feeling sorry for her and mm. and just seeing how vulnerable she is and, and what she needs, that she needs to tell somebody this. Sure. I yeah. guess I'm just making the point that even though there's this movie that explains her whole backstory, it's cool that we also have some moments where it's like, what what did make her snap there? Was it like she realized she had said too much? Yeah. Because, hey, well, we haven't gotten there in the plot, everybody, but she kills Mitzi. <laughs> but does she realize she can't let Mitzi survive knowing what she knows? Or does she snap? So because, well, I'll just get to this next point. So we do eventually cut back to Mitzi, who's done a surprisingly effective job of keeping her composure. She assures Pearl that her secret is safe with her. And Pearl gets Mitzi to admit after initially denying it, that Mitzi is the one who got the role in the dancing troupe. And when Mitzi confesses that, yes, she did get the part, we see something in Pearl's facial expression, I think, snap a bit when Mitzi suggests that Pearl should come see the show. Mm. Like, I think if Mitzi had been a shade more modest, maybe Pearl would let her go. You think that's what what got her done? Well, I don't know. It seemed like maybe Mitzi slipped into a prideful moment and was like, oh, yeah, you really have to come see it. Yeah. And then Pearl was like, fuck you. And, <laughs> and that's what did it. That's going too far. Yeah. yeah, but it also could have just been like, yeah, that woman's going to go tell somebody I'm nuts, so yeah. I have to kill her for my own safety. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it was um, you know, similar to like when she kills the dude, that the projectionist. Uh, she was like, I can sense things when people aren't like being honest with me or like are pulling away. And I feel like I, that, that's what I thought happened here is again, like she sensed, even though Mitski's like saying like, no, everything's fine. We're okay. I won't tell anyone. I thought maybe she like sensed that fear and that fear kind of like egged her on to, uh, be like, oh shit, now I got to kill this person or like they fist me off. But yeah, you might be right. Maybe it's just the, the, the ego that came in there to promote herself or the show. Yeah, you might be right, too. She might sense that that gone-cold feeling that the projectionist gave as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, we cut to a long shot of the exterior of the farmhouse as Mitzi leaves the house. Pearl follows casually behind and picks up an axe and begins chasing Mitzi, who eventually succumbs after several blows from the axe. We get a montage of Pearl cutting Mitzi up into pieces and feeding her to Theta the alligator. And I believe there's some split screen incorporated if i'm remembering correctly at this part right ash there is yeah uh a lot of uh as she's like setting the table at home or like cutting the body parts and stuff uh yeah kind of an interesting camera work here to like yeah do the split screen and kind of mirror the what's happening on either side yeah and i think which is a callback to some of the cinematography editing choices that were made in x yeah there's also a lot of wipe transitions in this just like there were in x Mm, yeah a lot of the the circles too right 
where the yeah yeah iris iris transitions yeah yeah um so let's see pearl goes back inside she arranges her dead mother and father around the table and puts the rotting pig in the middle of the table which was a very reminiscent of the dinner scene at texas chainsaw massacre too right um or am i getting confused isn't there a moment where they're all sitting around in part two I want to say in part one where people are sitting around a table oh. and there's like a rotting pig on the table. Isn't that in TCM? I don't or am I misremembering? A, I don't remember a rotting pig. You think that they would have eaten like a, a decaying animal in that one? I feel like it was separate from like the... Fuck, man. I don't know. Maybe I'm just imagining something. Hmm. Yeah. The, a rotting pig does sound familiar, but I don't, I don't remember from where. I might be imagining something. I was going to try to say, hey, X made some Texas Chainsaw homages, and I think this was a Texas Chainsaw homage, but shit. I need to watch Texas Chainsaw again. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, There's some movies we covered on the podcast a few years ago that I haven't, like, rewatched since then, and I really need to. Like, TCM and the original Halloween, I haven't watched in two or three years now. Yeah, I know. We're coming around on a good time to circle back. Yeah. Uh, anyway, she arranges them at the table, this rotting pig there. Uh, she tries to make the house, like, look nice. And the next morning, Howard arrives. The house is in good order. Pearl is dressed up, but the table set with a rotting pig and Pearl's deceased parents obviously throws him for a loop. We can only assume. We see him turn and look at Pearl. And the movie closes with Pearl putting on a big, strained smile for Howard (laughs) as the credits roll over her smile, which is one long take of her just standing there, straining to maintain this facial expression while eventually tears roll down her face. Maybe the next longest take of the movie after the, <laughs> the speech, the whole confession. Dude, that that scene killed me. It's wild. Yeah, that was like one of the best, just like watching her smile and like try to hold that smile and like just how it evolves. It's so unhinged. <laughs> it is, it is, yeah. That was a great choice. And it also feels like, in a way, meta. Like, it's just so obvious. Like, okay, you you very much feel the choice made by the director. Like, now this is going to happen. Yeah. And you're all going <laughs> to sit here and watch it. going to watch it, yeah, painfully. But so. it, the whole movie has a little touch of humor to it, too. It's, like, humorous, tragic, sad, disturbing. Yeah. And I think it was a fitting end. You know, that's one thing I thought was missing for like 90% of this movie was was that humor. Like, I think the humor kicks in for me uh, to your point when she is giving that long speech and then it cuts back to Mitski and we see her expression. Where was the humor earlier on in the film? I, I felt like that was missing for me. Um, first, Mitski is a musical artist. Mitski oh. <laughs> is the character in this movie. God damn it. <laughs> Mitski? There's never an episode where we don't have something like this. I, sure. I'm pleased. Good streak we got going. Uh, At least we're consistent. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think having sex with a scarecrow is pretty funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's extraordinary. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like, were people in the theater laughing during that sex scene? Um, Boy, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't remember, like, people, like, kind of... It was like a wild scene, like kind of shocking. Uh, I don't, you felt like it was shot in a way, though. Like, I mean, situationally, it's it's kind of hilarious. But was it shot in a way to, like, emote, like, humor or, like, more s- shock, I guess? I think, I think so a little bit with, like, the crows fluttering away during oh. the echo of her orgasmic sure. howls. Like, I think that's kind of humorous. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you the crows. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I feel like there's a drawing the short straw joke in the sex with the scarecrow scene. <laughs> I'll, I'll workshop that. All right. <laughs> Do you think that at one point her mother said, like, this isn't what I wanted in my life either? It's so interesting because it's got like this, this theme echoing from generation to generation, right? Like, yeah. in X, Pearl is who she is because. Partially maybe because her life didn't turn out the way she had envisioned it to. Right. When she gets into the argument with her mom in this movie, her mom is like, you think I wanted to be like his mother? I, I married him to be his wife. Yeah. And now I'm his mother. Right. Like basically just saying, telling Pearl, life doesn't turn out how you expect it to. And you have to make the best with what you've got. Right. It, 
basically admonishing her dreams to go do something else and her flights of fancy. And I think at the end of the movie here, the reason she's getting the house in good order and everything is because she realizes, fuck, that was my chance. I didn't get that audition. Mm -hmm. I've got to make the best of what I have. And so she tidies up and arranges her dead parents at the table and Howard's there and she's being the like loving, caring, (laughs) smiling housewife. Uh, Well, she's like dead inside. I think that's what that last shot is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, switching gears. Because, uh, yeah, I think even with X, like, that's the whole conflict is it's uh, what you want versus uh, going for what you want versus uh, appreciating what you have. And that's kind of like what the mother was trying to tell her. And, yeah, I think you're right. I think at the end it is her kind of giving into that and, like, embracing who she is and making the best of, like, the situation she's in, which in that scene is uh, take, putting her dead parents, like, seizing them in a nice way. Yeah. Um. How do you feel about not really ever seeing how Howard truly reacted to this or the fallout from this? We know he's in cahoots with her in X and they're still married, lovingly married. Uh, how do you feel that we just have to assume what happened from here? Uh, I feel okay, man. I don't, I don't feel like it. Um, I mean, I think you know enough about her character. Like I would assume either uh, she never tells Howard like the truth on how they died or... He does, but, or she does, but, uh, he knows enough to like, be like, if I show any fear or like any kind of backing off, like the same thing's going to happen to me, which in the movie X, did we get the impression that he is kind of like, uh, a prisoner to her in a way, or he's like scared of her. I I forget how Howard was to her in, in that film. Do you remember? I think Howard is an accomplice to her in that film. He, he warns the guy renting the house. Like my wife is not well. He chains up the people in the basement for her like he's very much a part of it he's like trying to get her sex play things yeah but is he like a willing accomplice or is he like um being held like prisoner like in fear of her in in a way like do do you have a sense i get the sense that he's a willing accomplice accomplice and we also talked about how the song featured in that film we we marie yeah uh like he knew well enough to say we we marie yeah was maybe symbolism of howard being like this woman's love of my life. I don't want to lose her. I'm going along with the plan. Interesting. I, I, I read that song and, and that sentiment as like, I'll do whatever, just don't kill me. And, sure. and if, I, I feel like he is uh, just trying to appease her. And, and maybe like he comes back to this, he's just seen war and everything. And here he is, he's back seeing his wife and like everyone's dead. And he knows like if he steps out of line or like dis, disappoints her, then uh, it's over for him. How does he die in X again? It's not from the sex, is it? That he's not allowed to have? I think he gets shot. Wait, or Uh, does he have a heart attack? Oh, yeah, he has a heart attack. I think he has a heart attack, yeah. Right, right, yeah, okay. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, I think think it's cool that they left it kind of open-ended to, you don't know what, like, his reaction is, but you know from X up there, he's still with her. Um, What what, what did you think? Like, do do you want a prequel called Howard? (laughs) <laughs> oh man i think that might be too much did you notice by the way that wee wee marie played in that uh palace follies movie that she the yeah. original version yeah it's cool that's to that, that is back. truly the original version of that song oh cool that's awesome nice tie that's back not a real movie but the song was a truly original version of the song oh okay okay cool yeah that's awesome yeah nice way to tie the films together yeah from what i understand at least that palace follies, follies was a fake movie but sure the did porn you, was real, that's for sure. <laughs> it's been verified. Uh, yeah, did you, <laughs> did you want more of Howard or uh, to see him? No, I'm glad that we're left to our own devices to wonder how things shook out with her and Howard after that. Yeah. yeah after coming home to that. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, though, like, how bad that situation looks compared to, like, wherever he was in Europe, like, the war that he was fighting. Like, is it a commentary on... Uh, you just saw this like brutality out in Europe, and now you're back, and your wife has killed your uh, her family. But maybe that's not as bad as maybe your expectations or your bar is a lot lower or right. higher or something. Yeah, he's maybe he's desensitized. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So he lets it fly. Uh, zero to five old timey pornos. What do you give this? 
Oh man, this is it's so hard, man, because so much of the strength of this film is Mia Gott and her performance and her acting. Like, I, you can't knock that, right? It's really good. But in the cinematography, as you mentioned at the top, was like really good and colorful and vivid. Uh, loved the use of color there. Uh, but pacing was slow. I'm generally not into like these movies that are like all about the character versus like telling a compelling story. But it was a cool uh, arc for her character and like kind of experienced this with her. So yeah, I was like, man, her performance is like a five. All these like visual things are five, but pacing and story I had like at a three. So I might have to settle at like, oh man, like a soft four, I think. Uh, four, what was the rating scale? Like a, a pre-Mia Goth Scarecrow four. Oh yeah, pre-Mia Goth Scarecrow four. That's what I would give it, yeah. How about All you? Right. I'd give it a oh yeah what was the what was the range I just did oh old timey porno oh yeah I'd give it oh. a scarecrow m- mid dancing with Mia Goth <laughs> four out of five okay so a hard four out of five a hard four <laughs> I was tempted to go four point five but I think four was the right answer for me you're not wrong it it's slow I don't have anything. I feel like I don't necessarily have criticisms that are like, this is the reason I deducted or this is what would have kept it from being a five. I think it's just that the type of movie it is, it's hard for it to be a five in my mind. Mm. It is a character study though. It's exactly what it needed to be in my opinion. It's the perfect companion piece to X. Yeah. I think it's great as a pair. Uh, I do think it's still a, a good standalone movie as well. And I, I know that's going to be part of the discussion around this movie too. It's like, hey, is it just just an add-on or is it does it function on its own? Hmm. Interesting. I really think it does function on its own and, and stands alone as a good movie. I agree. But it's a very specific type of movie. It is. Would you uh, – I, I felt a lot of comparisons to um, – oh, shit, Carrie – uh, like where you're following uh, someone as they kind of realize who they are and like the chaos that like happens around them. Uh, but yeah, what, what, what like genre would you put this in? Like, what, what what would you compare this to? You know what, man? So X was a callback to certain Texas types Chains. of slashers: Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre, Halloween, whatever. I think this. I mean, this is very much a callback to classic Hollywood and the the style of the the film. And really, the the core plot, take away the serial killer tendencies and the murders, this is about a woman uh, living an isolated life on a farm who sees movies and is captured by the wonder of the pictures and thinks about how she can escape from the mundanity of her current life yeah. to get where she wants to be. Sure. And, and we're living life... Uh, so much of what we experience is like through her fantasies or what she wants and her hopes and dreams. And it's kind of a classic story. So I do feel like it's an homage to those type of movies, but I think it's also, whether intentionally or not, kind of an homage to slashers, kind of like grittier, lower budget, under the radar slashers, not under the radar, but not the big names like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, something like Maniac from 1980 or Christmas Evil, which maybe was from the same year, these are like slower slasher movies that are more character studies. Like they are, they're 80 slashers through and through, but they're very much more about the killer than they are about anybody else. Oh, okay. And you kind of see, they're kind of crazy when the movie starts, but you kind of see their inner workings a little bit and while they're maybe not sympathetic, they're definitely not as sympathetic as Pearl is, they are your main character for better or worse. Um, maybe even a Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer would be a similar uh, comparison. Not That not so much as Christmas Evil and Maniac, but I think it's a callback to a certain type of slasher. And I think that the poster with her with her hands on her cheeks yeah. and like the rendering of her stabbing somebody with an axe below that is maybe artistically a callback to those type of movies too. Uh, like, okay, okay. It looks like that could be a cover to that type of slasher. Sure. Okay. Yeah. From I back seen, in the day. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen too many of those. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I believe it. Like, yeah, especially Henry as a serial killer. Yeah. 
Portrait of a Serial Killer. That, that seems a similar vibe. Um, did you feel like the movie, I, you know, the first half of this I felt was uh, score-wise, we haven't really talked about the score, but um, I felt like it was overscored. Like it was too much to, uh, strings. There wasn't like a lot of silence, um, which maybe was purposeful to give it to that, like that 50s feel that you're talking about or like that really Hollywood feel. But did it ever hit you over the head? Like, why is there so many strings going on here? I think that was necessary to keep the cohesion of the homage to that style of that time and era of filmmaking. Because we start with the big strings and the Technicolor splash and the font. The font specifically in the opening credits is like very of that time period. It is, yeah. And the movie then, it gets more focused on the plot. It's not bogged down by homages, but I think the score is necessary to keep it that keep vibe. it in that time period. Keep it as that type of a movie. Okay. Yeah. Now that makes sense. So I didn't think it was overscored. I, okay. I think maybe if it was any other movie, it would be. But I think it was all just part of the part of the, the aesthetic. I get yeah. it. I get it. Yeah. But I just feel like it, it did that enough at the beginning with the fonts, with the cinematography and everything. Um, and a lot of like what made this film work towards the end was like some of the moments where he had more silence and it felt like a little bit underproduced. Like uh, when like those kills kills kind of come out of nowhere, um, so but I, I guess like uh, I think that goes back to like maybe the pacing issue where like so much of this film, she's not really like doing uh, she's not like really killing anyone uh, until like kind of the latter half. Yeah, sure. Quarter, but yeah. Silent Night, Deadly Night. That's another movie that's kind of character similar. Study? Yeah, a bit of a okay. character study. That one's a little less slow for sure, but yeah. Have, I don't know if I've seen that. You have. We've done a podcast on it. <laughs> no shit. Was that the part one and part two that we did? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Uh, hey, wait. So is the car they find in the pond in X the projectionist car? Oh, no way. That would have been like uh, like decades later, right? Yeah. I need to rewatch that movie to see. I feel like it was a more modern car, but. I think so, too, because, I, yeah, I got the sense like they weren't like the first ones to be killed there and like the. Right, because Pearl and Howard had been kind of like killing people for a while. Right, and there was someone else chained up in the basement. So yeah, that probably yeah. was not the car. Uh, Crocodile, great throwback to the to X as well. Um, what what do you think? What's the deal with the crocodile? Like, is it uh, is that the same one? Like, do they live that long? Even? No, I mean, there's no way it lived for fifth. What nineteen eighteen took place? Did X takes place in nineteen seventy eight? Uh, I would guess, yeah. If this was like 1918, then, yeah, 60 years later. Wow, was it really? Yeah, there's no way it lived that long. But, you know, it had babies and the babies had babies. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She killed one of the babies, right, with that egg? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, symbol. uh, And cool, like, they had the crocodile in this one. And kind of interesting relationship between her and the crocodile. Uh, Wonder if they'll bring that back in Maxine at all. Yeah, for some reason I feel like Maxine's going to be a more urban setting yeah. and in the industry. And I, I'm really interested to wonder what happens there. Does Maxine go on a similar trajectory and snap? Or someone on our Discord server brought up the fact that maybe her religious father like tries to hunt her down or oh, something. Yeah, that's uh, what I wanted to ask you. Because like in X we see like a TV clip right, of a father talking. So that, that wasn't uh, tied to Pearl. That was more tied to Maxine. Yeah, yeah, the the preacher on TV in X is Maxine's dad. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Interesting, cool. Yeah, and I mean, the teaser is Maxine's name is, is like the Hollywood sign, so we know she becomes a star to an extent. Yeah. Whether it's a star of pornography or, or mainstream movies. Sure. That it's yet to be seen. Sure, And yeah. I think Ty West has talked about how all these are, kind of about movies and how movies affect people and how people relate to movies. So yeah. X was very much about people wanting to get Maxine wanting to get out of her life and take the next step. And this movie could do that for her. And yeah. And Pearl had the same trajectory. She wanted to get out of her life and she thought, you know, the dancing troupe could do it, but her ultimate goal was to be, be in a movie. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, man, those kind of uh, dreams, dreams can kill you, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting because it's in a way demonizing movies. Like 
beware the falsehoods that that movies are tantalizing you with. Uh, is it demeaning movies or demeaning ambition? Uh, to like the you know we're told like not to settle, to keep pushing yourself, to go for your dreams, uh, and and these different time periods. And yeah, I guess like they tie to movies or whatever. But I feel like it's less about movies and more just about people who want to like break out of uh, where they are and like um, be, become someone else or become a lot bigger or more successful. Do you think the younger generation has that pressure? I feel like for a while, when we were in our like early mid twenties, there was like a follow your bliss type thing, mm-hmm. like don't settle for a nine to five job, like create your own <laughs> business. Like yeah. it was, there was a big push to be like you can do whatever and like. Yeah. If you're just a cog in the machine, like you're doing it wrong. I think that's more uh, prevalent now than ever, uh, especially after like the pandemic. You got so many like the labor participation rate right now is so low. So many startups happening. Uh, I, I think that that uh, theme just or like that that sentiment just is just like kind of skyrocketed. What do, what do you yeah. think? I don't know. I'm so out of touch with any sentiment aside from my own. <laughs> <laughs> how to get through day as a parent sentiment. You should survey your kids. See what they say. Yeah. Why? <laughs> how are you feeling about the nine to five? <laughs> Something interesting. What do you think about cubicle life? Yeah, exactly. Into it, not into it. <laughs> Would it help if you got a plant? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man, I, I, I feel like the real demon in, in these uh, movies is the, the ambition and the idea to be different. And uh, yeah, to your earlier point, like, you know, suppressing who you are. Uh, and then like, yeah, trying to break out of that. So, uh, it's interesting commentary, very like timely and I think relatable. Yeah. Right. And almost two extremes of like chase your dreams at any cost and like the other, like take what life gives you and make the best. And, uh, yeah. And and experience no joy at all. Exactly. It's it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And any like joy or like fretful or, uh, petty spending of money is, is sin, you know, I'm sure Pearl's mom would have agreed with Maxine's dad on that front. We don't yeah. really know Maxine's dad, but right, that's kind of in her background too. Sure. Yeah. 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 Generational values. Cool. All right. Well, seems like the two of our ratings combined into a chubby four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Surprisingly, <laughs> we're both there. Cool. Well, I mean, I, I've never been more pleased with a four. I, I think this movie was exactly what it needed to be. I'm happy about it. Uh, yeah. I don't you know, know I, what else to have expected from it. I, I Unless, you know, it could have been its own bonkers, yeah. like, mimic of X in, uh, in its own right. But I think this is what what serves the franchise best. That's what I was most worried about going into this. I thought it would be very repetitive plot-wise to X, but really cool that you made, like, a whole different story with, like, a lot of the similar themes uh, in cinematography. So, uh I'm really excited to see what he does with Maxine. Yeah, same, man. Same. Cool. What a little gift in 2022 that we got these two (laughs) movies six months apart. So cool. Any idea when Maxine comes out? No, I don't. I don't. I imagine it's got to be 2023 at the earliest. Okay. (laughs) I mean, there's no way he's going to. It's not even filmed. So. Okay. We'll see. Hopefully 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. The dude works fast, man. And he's got a way of making cheap movies look like a million bucks. Yeah. And then Elliot. Yeah. yeah. Elliot Rocket. Yeah. His production quality is great. Yeah. And he edits these movies as well. Oh, cool. Wow. Very hands on. Cool. Anything else, man? That's all I got. All right. Well, that has been our discussion on Pearl. We hope you enjoyed it. If so, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening. If you want to connect with us, go to horrormovieclub.com and check the social links drop down. Links to Twitter and Facebook will take you to those pages where we announce what we're covering next week. The Discord link will take you to our Discord server that's just basically a chat room for horror fans and listeners of the show to talk about horror. Uh, if you want some swag, we have a coaster set. You can Google Horror Movie Club Coasters. That will take you to Amy Mae Pop Arts Etsy.com page. And she's also got tons of other cool art on there. She does our, our logo art, and she just has tons of great horror art. So go shop on her Etsy page, Amy Mae Pop Art, all one word. Uh, let's see. You can email us, podcast at horrormovieclub.com. Find our Patreon link at horrormovieclub.com. And until next time, if you are friends with Pearl and she's interested in something, you just sit this one out and, and let her 
chase her dream by herself. You'll get the next one. <laughs> yeah. Don't compete with her. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 You don't want to go ahead and have a girl or sleep with her or be her parent. <laughs> yeah. It's a hard one to work out with. Yeah. I mean, you could maybe live in her pond. <laughs> That's the best way. <laughs> as long as you eat the things she kills. Yeah, yeah. She was pretty friendly with that cow. Or you could be a scarecrow, and then I think that's probably the best scenario. Yeah, you know what? Be a, you're going to want to be a scarecrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or just cover yourself in straw and stand up on a pole for a while. <laughs> Hope something good comes your way. That's what I'm going to need for next year. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to that guy? Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's with that scarecrow that's making he really he's following his bliss he's chasing his dream <laughs> exactly didn't want to work the 9 to 5 anymore just going for that scarecrow <laughs> yeah I scarecrow startup yeah <laughs>